0: Welcome to the Something Something Experience podcast episode 30. I'm Michael John Simpson. This week our guest is actress, movie and TV producer, and champion of positivity, Jenna Edwards. Jenna's story is truly remarkable, and we sat down to discuss the art of producing independent versus major studio productions, her upcoming TV talk show, Wake Up, 70s and 80s versus modern TV, The Walking Dead. Alias, Nice Celebrities, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Empowering Life Changes, Stand Up Comedy, Prioritizing, Fear Versus Positivity, Recovering from Major Life Shattering Tragedy, PTSD, Being Kind, Selma, Oprah, Pursuing Happiness, listening to the universe, retiring from film producing, achieving goals, podcasting, and frugal versus lavish weddings. Namaste! Here's episode 30 of the Something Something Experience. Right. So, uh, Heidi tells me you make movies.
1: I, I do, did. Did? Do? (laughs) Um, Are we recording?
0: Yes, we're going. Oh! Wow! Just go right right on it. Yeah.
1: I did make movies. I threw myself a retirement party four years ago. Oh, okay. Because I realized independent film was something I kind of fell into, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. intentionally my purpose. Okay. I always wanted to do television. Okay. And so, I threw myself a retirement party because I love connecting people and Uh I wanted all of my friends to meet each other and go make awesome art together without me. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a really fun experience. And then for the last few years, I've been developing my own lifestyle brand. Okay. And then I just recently was inspired to get back into producing, but with a very specific idea of doing content that's just empowering. Awesome. And... 2 weeks after I made that decision, I got offered my dream job,
0: <laughs> which is <laughs> which
1: is producing a talk show all about positivity.
0: Fantastic.
1: Yes, it it and we just shot the first 5 pilot episodes
0: nice. 2
1: weekends ago and it was amazing.
0: Cool. Cool. Yes, it
1: was amazing and our first guest was Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh-huh. Do you know who he is? I don't. He wrote The Four Agreements. Okay. And it that book changed my whole life. Nice. And so the moment he came in, I kind of geeked out and made him sign <laughs> of my book.
0: Of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. As he
1: was signing my book, he put the date on it, and mm-hmm. I just literally started crying because it was this moment where every single thing I'd ever worked for
0: was in that, culminated in, in that that millisecond. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It was
1: the most incredible experience that's
0: fantastic yeah,
1: so kind of when i when i say kind of i produce movies i used to produce movies right. and i also teach producing okay and love doing that i love to empower people to make their own content
0: I'm, I'm all about empowerment um and especially empowering those who have traditionally been in underpowered roles i agree women people of color people who um uh, what's the word? Who have tra- uh, uh, intersectional uh, oppression issues? Mm. I mean, like, as a friend of mine says, it's not it's not the uh, the oppression Olympics. But if you're <laughs> if you're a a white woman, you're going to experience you 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 have a tendency to experience a certain level of struggle. Mm-hmm. But if you're a a, a black half Jewish half Muslim lesbian trans woman there's multiple layers right. kind of hat from different <laughs> angles so um but people who are i am all about uh hey kitty get out of there that is not yours I like it in here I'm all about um yeah empowering those who have traditionally had significant Systematic obstacles obstacles in their way. Yeah. I love that.
1: For me it even goes down to something as simple as I was doing a series of workshop for actors Mm. about producing Mm -hmm. because if you Mm. if you break down the microcosm of filmmaking the least empowered position is the actor right because they come on, you know you have to be validated in order to be on the set in the first place because you're in casting right. and then the directors right. and then right. the producers but then they get on set and they are thrown into this this family that already exists for the most part unless they're one of the leads who have maybe had some rehearsals or Mm -hmm, whatnot but mm -hmm. they're all new Mm -hmm. to the crew Mm -hmm. and the crew most likely knows each
0: other from other projects they're on the same union they've been working on the same similar projects they see each other come and go all the time right exactly
1: and so what i realized was happening was all of the crew were complaining about the actors Mm. and i would say well did you teach them not to do that or did you say anything well no they should just know well, well no. how are they supposed to know? Right, right. And so I started to teach. What your
0: child isn't walking yet; they should just know how to do that. You <laughs> exactly. got to teach them exactly.
1: Exactly. Right? So I always like to look at the the areas where people are going. Well, they should just know, and and pull myself out and kind of go. Well, how can I teach them without being condescending, or right. you know, just empower them to right. understand the process right. a little bit more.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely empowering people you're giving them something that's going to benefit everybody exactly and you present it in a way that makes the person being empowered know that this is empowering them because this is going to be easier for them and easier for everybody and just an overall easier experience exactly right Right.
1: and i just love doing that i really do it's it's definitely one of my Biggest passions,
0: yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, I, I I hear a lot of things about acting and and people who act, and, and you're an actor. You're basically just providing a performance, but you're having to do that within a director's vision, within the construct and the constraints of the all the tech that goes exactly. along with it, and the environment, and you know where you're shooting, when you're shooting, how you're shooting. You know, and all, and so, yeah, you are, you right, the the least empowered person. Unless, like you said, you're a Tom Cruise or what you know, a big, right. a big, big but name. But then they're usually
1: producing and they've And been they've doing got a crew forever. of people
0: around them all the time that's going to kind of mitigate exactly. some of those
1: exactly. pitfalls or whatever. Exactly. And it goes to one of the things that I, I do speeches and workshops and in mm-hmm. panels. And one of the biggest things that I like to talk about is the idea of team and the building of the team sure. and the the culture behind it you know we i come from independent film where everything's kind of slapped together if you will and it's mm-hmm. like oh well this person has a crane okay well how can we pay them back oh by giving them a credit or, or right, you know sure. just like figuring out how it's to more, make um, it happen
0: it's more DIY in a sense exactly. in certain aspects I would imagine because you don't have a studio backing and you don't have not just money but the studio's resources because the studio exactly. owns equipment or yes. has big deals with places that own equipment and can get just provide that for you right and okay this is part of the budget but your budget is part of a larger budget exactly. to use these cameras or these cranes or this whatever exactly. whereas with, with with independent i would assume you have to really kind of wrangle all that stuff yourself you
1: absolutely do and probably a
0: lot of people doing multiple hat jobs and absolutely
1: stuff. Right. Okay. and at the at the detriment a lot of times to the culture and to the team aspect and and the idea of of choosing who's going to be on set because of their attitude and their skill set combined not just because they've got this thing that we need sure. and they can come on and then they're, you know, Oscar the grouch all day long and right. everybody else is affected and and all of that stuff and so I do a lot of speaking on on developing the right team for the right project okay. because the projects are all different. I mean, producing a podcast is very similar in structure production-wise, but very different as far as crew and cast and and, um, locations and all of the things that go into that structure. And so people, you know, one of the things that I would teach a lot when I was teaching was the idea of you have to know where your project is going. Like, what's the ultimate goal? Mm -hmm. And work backwards from there and Part of that, a huge part of that, is picking the right team for the right project. If you've got, you know, a, an amazing union grip who's been doing things for twenty five years, and you want to bring him onto a web series, chances are he's not going to be very happy, and he's going to complain, and the rest of the crew is going to feel bad, and it's plus gonna- he's
0: probably going to be more than you can afford. That too. You're probably, he's probably, his price tag is probably going to be a bit higher. Because he's accustomed to being in a certain area. And it's been, when, you know, with the union thing, it, you work for a while, you get right. pay up to a certain degree, you know. for Absolutely. Right, right. But
1: even if you can get them for free, sometimes it's not the best thing sure. for the project. And I always say, like, do what's best for the project. For example, you know, great if you can get Brad Pitt in and he'll come in for your, you know, measly 5 million that you have to pay Brad Pitt, you're forgetting that he also needs security and transportation and a really nice hotel room and, you know, and, 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 and He's got and. riders. <laughs> exactly. And so then all of a sudden you're at the end of the day looking at this $20 million payday instead of $5 million and your whole budget is blown and you right. don't know what to do yeah. because you didn't think ahead. Right. So that's a lot of what I talk about.
0: Sure. Unless you can wrangle somebody to do something for scale or whatever, you know, like every once in a while, somebody like a Bill Murray or whatever will do a St. Vincent and come in and work for scale or work for basically free. Absolutely. Like Gene Hackman used to do that a lot, too. He would just he would do these big, huge, giant projects and then he would just do something for scale just to keep working because he wanted to work.
1: There's definitely people like that. But when you're on the production side and you're the producer, you also, you know, even if they're okay with coming in at that you still have to think about security oh, and you sure, still have to sure, think sure, about sure. that because even if they're like, oh, I don't care. I'll stay at a roach motel, whatever. They're, they're going to be fans in that hotel parking mm-hmm. lot that you have to you know, mm-hmm. think about and mm-hmm. deal with. So yeah. it's it's all a matter of perspective and working backwards and doing the, the thing that's best for. So I budget.
0: would imagine, well, I guess for independent film, you would probably have this list of these lists of people who do different things and you kind of... Pick and choose, and kind of Tetris them together in order to make a, a project work. <laughs> I Whereas, love that you what, said like Tetris. if you're if you're a bigger, <laughs> if you're always trying to bring it nerdy, um, if if you're a bigger producer, I would imagine you have. I mean, it, it's kind of talked about. I've heard it talked about in people who are in the business of. of like this director likes working with this DP and works with this crew, and that's his crew that mm-hmm. does all his movies, you know, and then or that kind of thing, you know. right? Whereas Which is with, really
1: important, right. To think about sure. because. A lot of times, you know, newer filmmakers will be like, well, I can't afford that DP. And then it's a matter of, well, can you afford not to have that DP who speaks the shorthand that your director speaks already along with the crew that he brings in? You know, is it going to make your shoot shorter so that you can afford that person? Is it going to ensure that you don't go overtime or have an easier time in post? Because post ends up being the most expensive part of production. of course. Because so many times people aren't planning for it. Mm -mm. And so... It is interesting that you say Tetris because I say it all the time. It's literally Tetris with the budget. And I always say the budget is the script for the producer Mm -hmm. because if you can figure out how to get all of the elements, that's kind of your timeline, right? Your your little script. Okay, now I need to hire this person and then I need to get this and then I need to get that and it's going to cost this much and it's so much fun. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like it's the creative part of producing. People often say that producing's not creative enough. And oh. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you try to make a $5 budget look like a $5 million film and then come back to me and tell me it's not creative. Right, of course, <laughs> of
0: course, yeah, yeah. But,
1: yeah, it's really fun.
0: Cool. So um, how much are you allowed to talk about your, your TV show?
1: Well, I can talk all about it. All right. I mean, I'll tell you if there are certain things okay. that I can't. Okay, okay. Uh, so it's called Wake Up. Okay. And it is... It bridges the gap between positivity and positive thinking mm-hmm. and traditional media. Mm-hmm. In a way, in the it, what I mean by that is very much like the View, but a lot of times, and I I apologize for anyone this might offend. The View, in my opinion, comes from a lot of fear
0: I and agree. a lot of.
1: Um, just negative. I agree. And, yeah, right? I
0: very it's, much agree.
1: And traditional media has skewed that way. What it, of what course. do they say if it bleeds it leads? Yeah. It's just like that's yeah. so sad yeah. and yeah. look what it's doing to us as people. I
0: mean, that's the reason why I watch so little TV anymore. Oh, no, when so I was a kid, I thought I think about this a lot and I've been thinking about this a lot lately. When I was a kid, we watched everything. Yes. My brothers and I, we had our own TV in the basement. We watched Everything in the '80s. We watched Dukes of Hazard, and we watched Knight Rider, and we watched. We even watched things like Falcon Crest. And so oh my gosh! Just, how much we, did you want to kids? Right, right. We just, <laughs> we just watched everything. All that was on. I mean we watched all in the family with our family. We watched MASH with with Golden our parents. Girls. We you know, I, no, I didn't watch Golden I Girls Golden much, Girls. but I, I we did watch all the Norman Lear offshoots from all in the family, the Jeffersons, Good Times, Maud. I mean we watched all the Norman Lear stuff. Right. But we watched shows together and then we watched shows on our own too and you know, all the all the BJ and the Bear, the, all the car and truck shows and all the you know, that the car chase shows. Well,
1: stuff. it really was a community activity. It brought the family right. together. By Back then and now it's very polarizing. Right.
0: And right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much more choice. Exactly. Everything back then there was three channels and right. maybe a couple <laughs> local independent channels. And everything was geared toward family viewing, like everybody coming together. And then if some of the stuff they played later at night was stuff the kids probably wouldn't be interested in, or stuff that was a little racier or whatever. Right. Dallas Right, <laughs> Dallas or, or yeah, yeah, or silk stockings or crap like that. Right. But but then As things changed, as cable came out, and as cable started actually garnering uh, notice and started actually garnering. um, What's the word I'm looking for? Yes, prestige. That's an excellent word. Then cable hit on the idea production companies hit on the idea of okay now nerd culture everything's more niche like everything but i'm starting to see that all the biggest shows have this horrible thread of fear and negativity to them
1: absolutely and
0: i've gotten to the point where if i can't see something positive and it's, it's also a symptom of the times that we've been living in, with things that are things that are polit- socio politically di- difficult times, mm-hmm. economically difficult times. There's a lot of fear in the world. There's a lot of fear and stuff, and that informs what we watch because we want to feel better about our lives. So we watch instead of watching positive things, we watch things that are even shittier than our own lives right. to <laughs> make ours, ours seem not so right. bad. And so.
1: Well, and the thing that people don't realize is that it's all a control mechanism. Exactly. You know, it's like, of course they're going to keep you afraid. The economy's bad. The economy's actually on the rise. But no one talks about it. Right. Because then then people or, will be empowered to actually even, take and, and charge of their and that, lives. It doesn't
0: even get into the thing of, like, racism and, and right. keeping, the, keeping the genders fighting, keeping the... Keeping people separated in their little pods and little things to distrust each other. Absolutely. To keep us keep, keep us afraid and to keep us going to work every day. Exactly. And that's what it is. George Carlin said the, the, the lower class is there to scare the shit out of the middle class, you know, and that's, you know, that's wow. it right there. Yeah. You know, and... I have been pulling away from TV. I used to be an ardent TV watcher. I have a DVR full of stuff that I haven't watched because I'd rather be doing something else. Um, I've been working on this project of converting all my music from iTunes and iPods over to Google Music and being able to play on my phone. And... That's almost done, and so I occasionally only go and watch stuff that's going to make me laugh. Like I watch At Midnight, and I watch, yeah, you know, I record that every day and watch it as often as I can. I record things that make me laugh because I want to feel good. Yeah, and a lot. The most popular show on TV right now is The Walking Dead, and I kind of ch- have checked out now because it. I, it's too it's too bleak. It's too bleak. Yeah, and I, I gotta have some kind of hope factor to what I watch you can watch a show about a struggle but it's it's just too bleak for me so I'm just I mean my wife still watches it and um fine and but so I just I do other things (laughs) it's
1: so funny because I so don't belong in the independent film world Mm, as mm a as mm -hmm. a person in general because I am a network television junkie oh yeah and what I mean by that is I love procedural cop shows okay. and stuff like that. And people are like, they're so boring. I'm like, but for me, they're comforting. Right. Because I know the good guy's going to win and the problem's sure. going to be solved. Sure. And it's in this neat sure. little bow. And people are like, oh, neat little bows. And I said, my life is dramatic enough.
0: Right. I don't need right. that extra. You, want, you really want escapism. Totally. And you don't want to escape and see something worse. Right. You want to escape and see something better. And I do like the procedural shows. The only one I can't really watch is SVU because it's just, because it's <laughs> just, see. it's story after story of, of people, awful people, horrible things happening to people over and over and over again. And a lot of times it doesn't get resolved and I'm just like, it oh. used to. Yeah. I
1: remember that. And then they went more like the cable route of leaving it open ended and right, oh my gosh, what right, are they going to do next week? I'm right. like, oh, I don't. My favorite show of all time in, in the history of television is Alias.
0: Oh, yeah. And yeah. It's it was because, all open ended, just a big question. Well, mark, it was you know. all
1: open ended, but she was so kick butt oh, right, and dealt you're right. with her problems that in a way that empowered. The, uh, for me empowered me when I was watching it sure. like you know what if she sure. can handle all of she that can handle stuff going all on all this <laughs> crazy
0: shit the violent shit happening at work handle the fact that her mom is a crazy right? killer person handle the fact that her dad was completely distant from her and then try to handle a relationship and all exactly. if she can juggle all that and still go on missions and, and, and steal ass. stuff and kick ass <laughs> and beat people to the ground yeah okay yeah, great, totally great, empowered. Great, it's great. like that with Buffy too and they say too, a Wonder right? Woman movie won't work Pfft. Right.
1: (laughs) And then you think of shows like Buffy. Like, those types of shows where, yeah, it's open-ended and the story arc is is ongoing, but the characters are the empowering part as opposed to the story. I, I love shows like that. Sure. But I don't love shows where... The characters are just going through things and there's no
0: there's no yeah the walking dead they're just i mean they are the 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 main our main group they are the walking dead it's not the it's not the zombies it's it's the people they are the walking dead they're just walking toward their 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 imminent demise and it's just just, sad it is i I, (laughs) I have not seen a a single episode of that it was good to start with, but then it just it kept being the same thing again and again, and I just oh, it just crushes the heart, and I just I, I can't emotionally <laughs> handle it. You know, I've got enough stuff going on. I want to see something better. I want to see something. Exactly. the one show that you were you said you reminded me, um, Alias, mm-hmm. where it was a strong female, and I hate to use the the, the term strong female, I know
1: lead, strong but, person,
0: but you use a, a, a an empowered character who is in an environment that is un-disempowering totally. who is taking charge agent carter
1: i haven't seen it. it i have an issue with one of the actors
0: oh okay okay <laughs> okay
1: so i'm like uh,
0: like personally or just, just yeah, i've met this person okay, okay. And they weren't uh, very okay. kind. <laughs>
1: i have my big thing is working in this industry and it, it actually circles back to the whole Point to what I'm saying about everything media wise is they keep us in fear because if we find out that we have a choice. We will not choose the fear. And we do have a choice. And that's what I'm all about is explaining that we have a choice. And I do that as much as humanly possible. And when I meet somebody in this business who is just not a nice human, I can't support the project. No,
0: no, no. Even if
1: the rest of the people on there are nice humans, I feel and bad. And I
0: completely but... get that. I will, I'll see a movie trailer and be like, oh, this looks awesome. And then boom one name mm-hmm. shows up i'm like i'm out can't exactly do it. can't do
1: it i just can't do it i feel it feels so in like non-integral to watch a sure. show when you're like oh you're such a icky person right yeah. and and on the flip side i am always on a mission if someone mentions a specific name to me that i of someone i've worked with personally and they've been really nice i make it my sole mission to say to that person that person is, is the a nicest really person in the world. Yes, a really great human. <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic
0: is the greatest human being that ever lived.
1: <laughs> oh, really? He's never
0: been anything but, I met him That's two or three times. Awesome. In a total fan way, not in a professional way, but he's just never been anything but just the nicest, sweetest, kindest. <sighs> Most warm, genuine person you ever wanted to meet, and I've never heard an iota that deviates from that. Do you know who
1: ever. is like that for me, and I only had one day working with this person, and it was one of the greatest experiences of my professional life? Tell, tell. Joss Whedon.
0: <gasps> he that, I've heard that, too. I've heard de- that, too. Delightful. Yeah, yeah. Him
1: and James. Both. Nice. Just so sweet, nice. and I always love to tell. See, the I really fans love that.
0: Firefly, Buffy. The movie, I love the movie Buffy. Yeah, the show didn't speak to me. Um, Why?
1: Because you weren't a teenage girl. <laughs> Just kidding. No,
0: no, but I knew teenage girls, mm. and I've been around teenage girls, and I couldn't buy those characters at any time being the smartest person in the room. Hmm. I'm okay with shows where the char- where the central character is the smartest person mm-hmm. in the room the world's biggest Doctor Who fan <laughs> he's always the smartest person in any room. Okay, great but he's also a thousand years old. Right. <laughs> Even if somebody has magical powers and is the chosen one, her and her friends, I couldn't buy teenage high school teenagers being able to pull off snark like that
1: Oh really? Joss's
0: brain great, but he's a thir- He was thirty five <laughs> or forty when, you know, whatever age he was when he was right. writing all that stuff. Teenagers, I've ne- I have I've, I've never met teenagers in reality who are that self aware, that self uh, referential, that self that cool in real life. And I couldn't get past that huh. in order to be able to enjoy the show.
1: I think that's interesting. I wonder if it wasn't for me that show giving me the power to be that self aware,
0: right? Because
1: right. I feel like my friends and I were very snarky like that.
0: Which is just fascinating. My friends and I were too, but not to that degree. Huh. I have references that even other nerds are like, what? And occasionally I will run into somebody who gets some really random obscure thing and I'll be like, ah, my people. (laughs) But for the most part, I'm in my own head most of what I say goes sails right over people's nice. heads from work, and I mean that's probably a hor- what could, could be well considered a horrible character flaw of my part. But
1: or it, the it most is, interesting thing about you, or <laughs> yeah,
0: but it is what it is, and I, and I am who I am, and the people that I know are the same way. But being in those circles, in those environments, and the way that those characters are portrayed in the rest of everything,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I couldn't buy into that. Now, Firefly, my wife turned... And because that, that kind of tainted my Joss Whedon experience for a long time, and so I couldn't get... I didn't even bother with anything else. Oh, I see what you're saying. But then my wife introduced me to Firefly five years ago, and I absolutely adored it. (laughs) Those people, I felt like those characters had earned their level of snark, had Mm. earned that level of reference to be able to engage with people the way that they did. Because they were... It just seemed like older. they'd earned it. Right. Whereas the other one, I couldn't really buy those real characters really saying those things that they said in the way that they said them. They were coming from an older person's brain, an older person's perspective. I see
1: perspective. what you're saying. I so see what you're saying. It
0: took me out of the show, and it made it mm-hmm. to where it's like, well, so...
1: You should watch it again.
0: <laughs> Maybe the other thing. I personally, I'm an old school vampire buff I'm ah. from when I was really, really young. Mm-hmm. Been watching Hammer films and blah, 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 blah my whole life. <laughs> the whole vampires are demons thing. I can't. You're like, I can't. It's that's just not. It's not it is. my universe. <laughs> I just can't do it. Separate totally creatures, completely. So totally There's get that you.
1: Too. I totally get it.
0: Um, I have
1: certain. Certain idiosyncrasies like that too. I'm like, yeah. Mm-mm, that's just not how it works.
0: <laughs> but the guy who played Spike was James. awesome. Yeah, on that's Doctor one of, who. he so, was so good on Doctor Who.
1: Such a nice, yeah, yeah yeah, 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 such a nice human. And,
0: and all those people are great. You know, they're nice and they're great and they're wonderful. It's just, it's oh, just, the way, it's just the way that. And it, I just, it, I would check out every time I would try to watch it, and I'm like. <laughs> come on so, I get and, you, you know, and I don't hate it it's just one of those things that I just didn't click I didn't mesh with it so and it's me I know it's me because you do
1: not have to explain everybody yourself everybody else
0: in the good. world loves Buffy and it's great but I really liked the movie a yeah. lot and everybody was like oh the movie's a piece of shit and the shit's all about the show and I'm like no the movie was great Paul Rubens and, Paul and Rubens David Wart so David Warner and come on <laughs> it's so great Rene why wasn't he in that yeah no, or was it David Warner? No, it was David Warner who I'm played so the, the Giles-ish character. It wasn't Giles, but it was somebody else.
1: Oh right. In
0: in the movie. Mm-hmm. So good. And Such I like Christy Swanson too. But
1: I agree. She's fantastic.
0: So anyway, enough about Buffy, <laughs> but so back to your TV show. We kind of took the long way around you know to drive through the country. Um Yes. So uh um So
1: it's it's Waking Up? It's called Wake Up. Wake Up. Yep. And it's got four amazing hosts mm-hmm. who have all made their lives what they want them to be, mm-hmm. and we have conversations with people. I shouldn't say we; they have conversations with people on the show, like Don Miguel Ruiz, who wrote the Four Agreements, and Jack Canfield, who did the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, oh, okay, okay. and Lisa Nichols, who was on The Secret and did all of these. Just she's just an incredible person, um, and You're- then mix it with. Mainstream people and cooking segments and fun Fun little fun chat shows. Absolutely, absolutely. But really
0: positive. Really. Now, your four hosts. Anybody we know?
1: Uh, If you're in that world of kind of consciousness, the one host, her name is Zena. She has a tea company that. Has changed the way the world makes tea, which I think is really cool. And now she has her own division, I believe it is, Mm -hmm. at Simon & Schuster. Oh,
0: interesting. Yes,
1: she's really fascinating. Uh, Natalie started this company called Mind Movies. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of it? It's really cool. It's like vision boarding, but with movies. Okay. And and moving images instead of just still pictures. And Cindy is a self-made mom and businesswoman. And... um, Oh my gosh. Oh, Betsy Chase, mm-hmm. she wrote, she did what the bleep do we know? She's a documentary oh, okay. filmmaker. And oh okay. She's just so they're all different walks of life and and just really interesting perspectives and they just have fun. You know, we have fun. I call it Spoonful of Sugar. Nice media. It's like, here's your medicine, but in a really fun way. Meaning nice. here's your perspective shift to positivity nice. in a really fun, normal, like it's not gonna freak you out kind of way. And and I think it's so important because we really are, for the most part, in the state of of not really realizing that we don't have to live where we're living right now in yeah. that fear-based yeah. groatiness, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a and better I've been, term.
0: I've been trying... I mean, I, I work a nine-to-five in corporate culture, and, I've, and I'm, I'm 44, and I've been doing it for a long time. And what do you do? I'm an IT guy. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a Windows systems engineer, and... I started a podcast in September. I, I love st- it. and I've I've been a comedy nerd my whole life. I started doing stand up in January. Way February, to take charge, man. That's and exactly I'm what I'm talking about. To shift my life gradually, slowly, carefully, consi- you know, considerately, yes. and trying to get out of the nine to 5, 40 hour week, working for somebody, making money for somebody else, mm-hmm. grind, and to to to, to start doing something else, something that fulfills me. I because love that. Because sitting at a desk and working on print servers doesn't fulfill me.
1: Right. Which, by the way, for those it does fulfill. Great. Great. That's I'm, amazing. And I'm totally talking
0: about what, what's right. working and not working for me. Well, and I, and uh, uh, from what I understand, from what I'm talking to a lot of people about, this idea of trying to get out—apparently, a lot of people in their forties do this. The Absolutely, kind of, the ennui, the Velshmits, whatever you want to call it, sets in. The midlife—it's not really a midlife crisis because I'm not—I'm not chasing twenty-two-year-olds and driving a driving a you know. A I red, think our generation is
1: redefining midlife crisis. Yes.
0: <laughs> For me, the midlife crisis is the work thing, the work environment. I'm happy at home, I'm was married 20 years the first time and divorced and remarried. But we're buying a house and we're, we're moving (laughs) forward we're making positive changes and we're doing things that bring elements of control back to us.
1: Well, there's something and that I say all the time to people is...
0: Empowerment rather than control. Absolutely. Yeah. I
1: love it. You're yes. intentional. You're yes. being intentional. I have yes. this big thing that I just took marker one day and like on the biggest piece of paper in my office wrote the word intentional and like colored it. And now mm-hmm. it's on my wall because I just want to do everything intentionally and on yeah. purpose. Yeah. And I always say to people... Rather than
0: band-aiding stuff all the right. time and trying to duct tape and bubble gum, you're, you're like, whoa, stop. Yeah. How do I get there? Exactly. Okay, where, what steps? Right.
1: Exactly. I do a lot of consulting on that. I call them break it down sessions because it's so overwhelming for some people to, to have this big goal and not know how to get there. And it's just, it's just taking it and breaking it down one step at, at a time, literally one thing a day over a short amount of time, like 60 days can change your entire life and people don't realize it, you know? And for me, it's, uh, I've, there was something I was talking about, or I was going to talk about. And now I totally Intentional. forgot. Intentional. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, I always say to people, you know, because they're always like, oh, you should do this. You should do that. You'd be great at this. You'd be great at that. Well, just because I can doesn't mean I should. Right. Or want right. to. You know? And just I because
0: think, I know how to work on Windows servers doesn't mean that that's fulfilling to exactly. me. And that's, that's what I, I need to be doing. Yes. These other things that I'm exploring... My whole life I've craved people laughing at the words coming out of That's my mouth. Awesome. It's like can, it's like it's like candy to me. And That's great. and th- I was in improv and I've done plays and I've done other things and I've always gotten positive feedback about That's it. Great. And so I'm like and, and instead of saying, Well what if I blah 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 what if I fail? Right. saying, What if you don't? Exactly. What if what if try it? What if do you it. succeed? I've been like, sitting on this behind this wall of fear my whole yep. life and I'm fine I've been talking about this a lot on the podcast so sorry everybody I'm going to talk about it again (laughs) no keep talking but I keep I'm just taking this giant step over the wall of fear I love it getting out a rope and and shinnying up over it and And just saying, boom, I went and did stand-up. Nice. I don't have stage fright. I don't have a lot of these Stand-up's
1: my biggest fear. (laughs) Right.
0: And I don't have a lot of these things that other people... That keep other people from doing Mm stand-up. I have no problems being on a stage. I have no problems remembering what I'm supposed to say and blah, blah, blah. And... And... The whole thing of the fear of the fear of people not laughing I know that I listen to enough comedians talk about the process and the business of doing stand-up of you're gonna bomb it's gonna happen you have to expect that that's gonna happen a percentage of the time right and and rolling with that like a couple of the stand-up gigs that I've done the the, the open mics that I've done at the pizza place in Moore Park I've People are eating pizza and right. having a par- pizza party and not listening to the, du- the, the middle-aged guy talk about his kids <laughs> up on the stage and, and talk about gym class. And, and, and okay, great, great. <laughs> great. Now i am come to the point where it's like, okay, I need to take it out of that environment and take my set. I've gotten a few laughs. So now I need to take it to a place where the intention is for people... The, the, the two-way relationship is there okay. between the guy on the stage and the audience. The audience is there intentionally to hear people do comedy. Instead of, oh, this thing is happening while I'm eating pizza.
1: Yeah. Have you ever heard of the the stand-up comedy clinic, I think it's called, in Burbank? I have not. I'll, I'll have to tell you about it off-air because okay. I can't remember okay. exactly what it's called. But they they teach... The process of getting on stage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're saying with sure. the two-way relationship sure, sure. and the the guy that started it is just really phenomenal. And there's also an improv might, Toastmasters have
0: to be invest- See, I've done improv before. I was in improv for several years, but I was in this one theater, and every time I would get moved up based on merit, but th- because a couple of spots would open up ahead of me, it's always these layers, mm-hmm. you know, these levels. Totally. And so I would move up based on merit. Because I knew the rules and I was playing the games right and I was doing the thing and I was doing getting getting it mm-hmm. and moving forward and then every time within a week, a couple more slots would open up and all these people would just get shoved up just because they needed room below oh. because there's always new people coming right. at the bottom.
1: Well, do you know about Toastmasters?
0: I've heard of Toastmasters definitely. I'm a I'm a fan. Okay,
1: and a and a member. It's it's been really great not only just to have a safe place to practice. Sure but to network and meet really incredible oh, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll let a you toastmasters know... Toastmasters
0: chapter at my company where I work. Oh, they, cool. They, they have their own Toastmasters My friend just
1: started improv there. Toastmasters. Mm. So it's like mixing the two worlds. See,
0: This year was my, it was my year to do, to stop talking, to do. I already had a podcast and I've been doing that consistently and I've proven to myself that I have a thing that I'm passionate about that I'm not going to give up on. I'm going to do every, I'm going to put out an episode every week if I can help it.
1: That's awesome. And I've
0: been doing that since September with only a couple weeks off. Congrats. Here and there. Thank you. This was my year. We're buying a house. Uh, Started working out with a personal trainer. My wife and I have lost 20 pounds. Nice. In the last six, seven weeks. And then I also started stand-up at the same time, something I've been wanting to do my whole life. Too much. It was, uh, I was going to no say, this time. is like... No stressed myself <laughs> the hell out. And so I had to put, for right now, my goal that I set on the podcast back in December was to do a stand-up performance, do an open mic, before April first. Nice. It's not even mid-March. Even before March 1st I'd already done four or five.
1: Nice! So
0: I have more than met that goal. Awesome. I can afford to put stand-up on the back. Stand-up will still be there. Open Definitely. mics will still be there. It's not something that's going to go away. This is not an opportunity that i it'll be I'm funnier missing. when
1: you're 80. I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, and this is something I'm not going to put off forever, but right now there's I other things it. I need to focus on. The health thing is most important to me, mm-hmm. along with the new house. That's done. We're, ha- we're getting the keys tomorrow.
1: I love it. So we closed on
0: Friday. We're we're getting the keys tomorrow. So we're going to go and start. We went tile shopping yesterday. We went, you know, we're, we're doing that. That thing's happening. It's a done deal. We've done all what we need to do to make that happen. Goal achieved. Now we just have to get moved in. Fine.
1: I love it. Well, the coolest part about what you're saying is that all of these things that you were afraid of are moving forward and now you're not afraid to slow down
0: right which is the key which is incredible to me because usually it'd be like oh shit if i'm stopping this thing that means it's all gonna go right. away and it's not i
1: know Once i am you comfortable shift to enough
0: that... i have some okay material my next goal is to go to a, uh, an open mic stand-up at a comedy club mm. through that was introduced by a comedian friend of my wife's cool gonna go do that But I'm going to wait. I'm going to do that when I have the time, the time to devote to rehearsal, the time to devote to write a little bit of new material. Um, It it will wait, and it will be there when I'm done. But right now, I'm focusing on my health, and I'm focusing on uh, the house, and moving, (laughs) and the podcast. I love it. And that's what I can handle right now, and I'm I'm being aware of my limitations, and I'm working inside that that envelope. Which I think is great, too, because,
1: again, back to the fear-based, right? Exactly. People think that if you quit, you're a quitter right? or you're a failure or something just like automatically goes to this negative place as opposed to being from a place of love and abundance sure. where it's like, no, that's going to be there because it's abundant and right. it just is. And so I love that you've made that shift and that you're talking about it on the podcast and that you're so animated about it. It's great. It's so important to be okay with, stopping yeah. and not calling it failure. To stop
0: and slow down and, and make sure that I'm prioritizing properly and and it's okay to put thing on something to postpone something for a little bit. Yeah. Because I know me and I know the difference between I'll do that later and never doing it. Right. And <laughs> I've done this but I need to stop for a little bit so I can concentrate on this other thing right now. I'm prioritizing.
1: It's awesome. So I'm
0: doing the difference and I'm noticing that this and I'm recognizing the differences in this myself and actually talking with you about it. Now a couple of other pennies have dropped and it's like, "Wow, I really am. I'm really kind of taking charge of all this."
1: Absolutely. And you're you're in control. Yeah. And you're creating the life you
0: want to create. I'm trying and I'm I'm starting that baby steps. I know it's so going to take a long time. I'm not rushing well, it. But this is I'm the not thing. expecting it to happen tomorrow i'm i'm work doing the doing the work because everybody in comedy talks about the work that you have to put in x number of years x sure. number of times getting on stage and bombing to get <laughs> to that next level to where you're getting to the point where you can actually start earning money or doing a making a, a life cha- change but this with is it. the
1: thing that i i want to back up a little just because it's not you're not putting the steps in place for creating your life you're actually create you're in your life you're you're doing it right now yeah. because you're not stressed out right. because you're doing the things that you love to do you're yes. passionate about it yeah. yeah you've got these goals over here that that shift your the way your life looks but right now your life is feeling the way that you're always going to want it to feel right correct me if i'm wrong like you're in an empowered happy joyful oriented
0: reasonable goal oriented set of steps and
1: i think that's fantastic thank you really excited for you
0: (laughs) thank you it feels good and and people have been asking me about it people are just people who know me on facebook where i've been talking about it here and there so I was at a club last night, and my wife and I went to a club last night, and uh, one of my friends came up and said, oh, so how's the stand-up going? What have you been doing? I'm like, oh, cool. And somebody asked me about it. Yeah. So it's that's cool. That's great. Yeah. Something that
1: always got me through, because I came out to L.A. to be an actor. Okay. That was my first my first love, and I think it was partially because I really love it, mm-hmm. and I partially because I love sharing sure. with people, and other because I like talking mm-hmm. but um yeah.
0: here, <laughs> but, here you go also
1: part of it was because I grew up without behind the scenes dvds mm-hmm. and didn't realize there were so many positions in in the entertainment industry that yeah. I could choose. I it's thought that. you have to be an actor or a director. Right, right,
0: right, right. That's what you see. You, you either see what's on the screen in I'm the movie sorry. or the TV show, or you see the TV show talking to the people about what they made. And the only people they ever talked to is the director exactly. or the actors.
1: Exactly. And so...
0: Occasionally a producer.
1: <laughs> exactly. So I came out here to be an actor and was successful at it and had a great time. But the, the thing that got me through all of the hard times, and I think that this is going to be the same for stand-up, is that it takes seven to ten years to be an overnight success oh, course, in Hollywood. Of course, of course. So imagine how much it takes to be, like, not an overnight
0: success, right right right, right? right, right. And I'm not looking for fame and fortune, right? I just want to be able to make a living at it. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can well, do that's
1: the, the definition yeah. of success in Hollywood. Right. Sure, sure.
0: I just want to, I just want to make what I'm making now, or maybe a little more. I'm not looking for millions of dollars right. in mansions and stuff. I'm being completely realistic. I'm not a very materialistic person. I just want to be able to not have to get up and go to work every day. Right. I want to be able to get up and go stand up every night, or every, you know, a couple times a night, or, you know, five, six nights. A week and make a living off of it. Awesome. I don't want to be a touring comedian. I don't want to fly all over the country. Maybe do the occasional thing here and there if that leads to that. But I wanted to just go and hit clubs around town and maybe get back into improv. I'd really like to get into voice acting. I've always want, I've always done voices and impressions and oh, characters cool. and weird things and this and that. And
1: do you have a demo?
0: I keep. I, I don't because I haven't. I feel it's this. It's this. There's like this this cyclical cyclical block in my head about having a demo. It's like I need a demo. Okay, but the demo should include things that I've done. But I haven't done anything. So I, how do I make a demo if I don't if I haven't? And it, so
1: it doesn't have to be things you've done.
0: We can just especially
1: be, if it's voiceover.
0: Yeah, everybody know. keeps doing that, and I keep trying to put together a demo, and not being happy with it. So I've I've done a couple. I've created a voices.com account and I've tried it to um uh, tried to um I've done a couple things where I've just spliced together some voices I've done or whatever but I don't I don't know I just there's something there that makes me feel like it's not going to be good enough. Well,
1: it's a whole other career. It is too. It so is. I'm sure it that's is. part of the block is like the I, the overwhelming idea of like starting something. Oh, but
0: God, I would new. love that. I would absolutely adore that. doing voiceover. Well, work.
1: we could do a breakdown session and figure that. out what your block I is.
0: <laughs> I would love that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I think that people just need someone to bounce ideas off of sometimes. You know. Yeah. So happy, happy yeah. to do that. Okay. I uh, also think that when you're just starting out...
0: You're the fourth person in the last few months who said, Do you have a demo? Hmm. Pay attention. Yeah.
1: I know. I always say that. Like, if you're on the wrong path, the universe will throw a car I, at you.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: In my case, literally. <laughs> They'll
0: drop a dealership on your head.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes it's a roller skate. Is this enough as a hint for you? Because
0: <laughs> I I, uh, I did a podcast with a fellow named uh, Hayden Black, who's a British expat and living here, and he, have you ever heard of uh, Goodnight Burbank? it was a web series called Goodnight Burbank. No, but I love it because it I a, love
1: Burbank. It was a big
0: <laughs> overnight, it was a big uh, like internet sensation oh, and wow. eventually kind of transitioned into a TV show and then the channel that the TV show was when on. When was this? It was a few years ago. Huh. It was, uh, up up until probably 2010, 2011, something like that, maybe 2012. Wow. But it started off as a web series and
1: I mean I feel like I know his name.
0: Yeah, Hayden Black. He's now working on a series called Gen, uh, Gen Z. which is, um, it's a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a action sci-fi adventure cartoon series for the web. That is the first cartoon series, sci-fi cartoon series, to feature a trans woman in the lead role. Wow! And it's really funny. He That's played amazing. me the audio. They're still working on the animation, uh, but they all just—they just released the character models of what they're going to look like, and it looks amazing. And he played me the the audio off air of the first episode, and it was—I laughed. It was really funny. <laughs>
1: That's great. But
0: it comes from a really good place of of heart and real. It's not just a throwaway comedy thing. It's it's like each of these characters has a voice and it comes through and you can feel their struggle and also the way that they're kind of adapting through it through humor and other things and it's that's really cool. cool.
1: That sounds amazing.
0: Tell me more about your show. I keep I keep we keep oh, going off on tangents. It's okay. Tangent.
1: I mean, I that's basically it in mm-hmm. a nutshell. It's going to premiere the weekend of May 9th on We're not allowed to say yet. Okay. Okay, but I will let you know.
0: <laughs> Can you say what? it's on cable? Okay, cable. Okay, That's, that was. It'll be on, be on cable. I was trying to couch that question is like, is this going to be a web thing? Is it going to be a cable thing? A network thing? So cable.
1: It'll be on cable, and the coolest part about the show is that the show is really a throw to what we're calling the backstage pass. So the website is going to be extended interviews with the people that are on the show and I
0: love longer interviews. I love, that's why I like doing a podcast and I love listening to podcasts. I love long form interviews. I can't do chat show panel anymore. I can't do not even Charlie Rose is long enough. Even (laughs) And and although somebody was just on Charlie Rose that I actually think I might want to record, but, um, or on 60 minutes with Charlie Rose, but, um, I love long-form interviews. That's why I love listening to The Nerdist because so many people that I'm, are in my wheelhouse get to sit down and have an hour or more conversation and they get nice. so in-depth in the personal level. It's a good conversation. The, the The chat show panel thing, I think, as a format is kind of dated. It's kind of... Mm. I don't think it's relevant anymore as much, which is why I loved Craig Ferguson so much. or love for Craig Ferguson because the first thing you do, you sit down, he tears up the cue cards and throws them away <laughs> and has a talk with people. Right. Carson kind of did the same thing, although he was able to stick within whatever they wanted to talk about, but make it look like it was a more of a natural conversation. Okay. And nobody could do that the way that he did.
1: Nice. One of my goals, my biggest goal in life is to have my own talk show that mixes real conversation, like you're saying, about overcoming and about creating your life and doing the things that make you happy and how you do that, not just like, oh, I'm doing this, but like really...
0: What steps did you take? Exactly. What was your process? Give the audience the
1: process. (laughs) process. Exactly. And then crafting.
0: That's the thing I keep... Yeah, crafting. (laughs) Because
1: I love crafting. (laughs)
0: Because that's the thing I keep getting out of all the podcasts I listen to is process. I keep mm-hmm. hearing about people's process. And it's informed my ability to get over the fear wall with stand up. Exactly. Of hearing comedians talk about their process and say, Wow, I bombed here, I bombed there, this is the worst gig I've ever had, this is the worst thing I've ever done. And that and this is what to expect. Whereas trying to do comedy twenty right. years ago, there was nobody talking about the biz except for Old Hollywood talking about the biz, exactly. But that's a, a totally different, different arena. <laughs> They're not talking about struggling in the club circuit exactly. or whatever. They're talking about funny things that happened backstage, which I adore. Right. I course. wish to God that green room would have come back. Oh my God, green room. Paul Provenza was one of the best shows that <laughs> television has ever produced. Bring it back. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Bring it back.
0: So you're shooting right. for cable. That's yes. awesome. It's I, this show really just fun. sounds so much like a breath of fresh air. What? What? The that's a great way to needs. describe. But now. I
1: agree, and I I try to do only projects that are like that in general. Yeah. Now that I'm not retired from producing <laughs> anymore, <laughs> and did you have an
0: unretirement party? <laughs> no, it just
1: happened, and it's it's actually a really interesting story if you want to talk yes. about the process. Yes, I so I
0: retired. Yes,
1: and I don't if know I'm if you. you it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know anything about my story. I don't. Okay, so. When I was, so in a nutshell, it's going to it's gonna be a pretty insane story, so get your, you know, insane cap on. Okay. Uh, when I first moved out here, I was an actor. Okay. And I moved from Minnesota.
0: Minnesota. Hi, Minnesota. Minnesota. And, oh, yeah,
1: sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, I was on the last episode of Buffy, which is why I got to <clears> meet <throat> Joss Whedon and James Nostert. No that was wonder. <laughs> was literally, For the door. I <laughs> am a slayer. Nice. If you will, um, I blocked a punch. It was seven seconds. But one of the speeches that I do when I when I do public speaking is called Seven Seconds," and it's the idea that seven seconds can change your life. Of course. And because I've had many people come up to me when they realize who I who I am in the show, mm-hmm. apparently was one of the most profound moments in the history of Buffy, and. I've literally had people come up to me and say that moment made me leave my abusive boyfriend or that moment made me understand that I could take charge of my life and like oh like I get goosebumps every time I think about it like to me it's it was one of the most probably top three best career days of my life because they were just amazing on the show but then On top of it, you know, you're thinking as an actor, like, oh, it's only seven seconds, like, whatever, almost, you know, in your head. But then when you have people come up and you realize seven seconds can change someone's life, it's just the most insanely profound experience. And so cut to a couple of months after the show airs, I'm thinking, yeah, my life is going to be great. You know, I'm on Buffy. Everything's fantastic. I'm living my dream. And I wasn't. I was in total denial because I had this day job that was really sucking the soul out of me. But I was making money for the first time in Los Angeles. And I was like, oh, this is great. My life is so good, you know. And I went down to the Santa Monica Farmer's Market and was buying oranges when that elderly man drove through the market. And he hit a table that hit me at 60 miles an hour and killed 10 people. And the man standing next to me didn't make it. <laughs> Give a pause. Cause, Holy cause, <laughs> shit. Yeah. So, and it probably only took seven seconds for that car to go down the road. Right? Changed my entire life.
0: Holy shit. Yeah.
1: I suffered severe post-traumatic stress disorder. I couldn't read. I stuttered when I talked, so I couldn't audition anymore. I forgot basic words. Like, I remember sitting across the table one day, and all I wanted was the salt. And I couldn't remember the word salt. And I just burst into tears. I was like, my life is over. You know? Like... I didn't sleep for eight months. I ended up in the psych ward so they could regulate my brain chemistry. Sure. And um, because I come from a family of, of alcoholics uh-huh. and addicts and I uh-huh. knew I had a chance like such a severe chance of becoming one myself, I refused medication oh my and it God. nearly killed me. And so I went through this whole process of of being in the darkest place you could ever imagine to being in the hospital and and having this like shift where I was like, okay, there's something, there's some reason I'm here, but also there's a way for me to take back my power, you know? And so over the next three and a half years, it took me three and a half years to work again because I, I was having flashbacks and panic attacks and I wasn't sleeping and I couldn't think, you know, I basically lost my mind. Yeah. And, when you lose your mind, it's like, (laughs) there's nothing, you know what I mean? And so I had some really great people in my life who, who would tell me what to do. You know, they knew that I wanted to get better. And so they would be like, you have to do this. And I would listen and I, am so grateful for them. And so I started to heal and get better and I could work again. And while I was working, I, a friend of mine enrolled in film school and he was like, you're the most organized person I know. You have to produce my senior thesis in two years, right? And I was like, "F you, I'm an actor." (laughs) (laughs) I was like, so for the next basically like year, year and a half, it was it was a lot of choice words every single time we talked because he really was like, "You're going to produce this," you're going to, and I'm like, "No," like I literally said no. And then it was six months before he had to do his project and I was like, Oh crap, he's for real. Like <laughs> he's not gonna go away. He really means And I was feeling better finally by that by that time. Not one hundred percent I can say now, just because I know I'm like better than I was before now. Yeah, yeah. But um I was feeling better to the point where I was like, okay. And I did four short films in six months just so I could learn how to produce because I'd never done right, anything sure, like it before. Sure. And then I produced his project, and it was amazing, and I had the best time. And while I was on that four, those four other projects, I met up with this woman that I had met previously, and we decided to produce together. And we produced... Um, my first feature, which was called April Showers, was mm-hmm. written and directed by a survivor of Columbine. Ah. And so, like, the story was just... It wasn't about the actual shooting, but it was about the five days afterwards. And no one talks about what no. happens to the people who no. survive.
0: No. Nobody ever talks about the survivors. <sighs> Nobody goes back and visits them. It drives me Nobody volunteers. goes and talks to them. They only talk about the victims and fuck those assholes they always talk about the goddamn mm-hmm. perpetrators
1: mm-hmm. those
0: Absolutely. people should never be named
1: they shouldn't because they do it for the credit you they, know yeah they and do it for the, they do it again,
0: for the recognition but again that's the fear
1: base yes. if it if it bleeds it leads Ugh. you know so we have to like for me it was the idea of telling the perspective that i had just gone through the whole idea of what do you do after your life is completely destroyed i mean i always talk about that day when the table hit me as it literally j- knocked the joy right out of my body. Like, I couldn't find it. I would search and search and search, you know? And so, like, it was really important to me to tell this story of, of what happens and, and how people move on and what, the, what society does to people. Like, there's the lead character in there. Um, he and his friends knew shooters, right? And And so, like, it's based on, it's not, it's not a documentary. Sure, 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 sure. And, um, and how the community ostracized them. Yeah. And it's like, they just know them. It's not, you know, the director would always say, and he's just such a great guy, he would always say, you never know what anybody is thinking in their head, you just never know. And so I say
0: it all the time. You never ever ever know what mm-hmm. anyone else you see, even people you talk to, you never know what's going on with them. You never can you can never be in their perspective. Well, and exactly. that should inform all of us all the time of whoa, stop, back up, think about how you're interacting with people, mm-hmm. think about everything you do and say even if it's just for a moment and think wow am i doing something that's contributing to this person's fucked up day
1: right right or just you know be you in your joyous form yes. because if you're happy it gives other people permission yes. to be happy yeah, and i think that's, yeah, that's so a great way important to put that. you know like i don't i don't like to worry about what's going on with other people because i shouldn't have to and I just go
0: about yeah, no. being happy, yeah, yeah, and that yeah,
1: way, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, I'm not going to be mean to someone.
0: Exactly, but th- th- just let that let that notion of you never know what someone else's yeah. struggle is inform how you treat people. Exactly. And that's it. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to Absolutely. fix them. You don't have to just don't contribute to their right. Don't contribute to do the to their shit pile. <laughs>
1: exactly. You know,
0: and I think I, that's I, sorry, a rule I curse of a lot, thumb. But yeah. It's um, just,
1: I do two on productions and then I then when I get done I feel so bad I'm like, okay, stop swearing. <laughs> like it's this weird <laughs> this weird like shift. I'm almost making up for True. the amount of swearing yeah, I did yeah. last weekend <laughs> or two weekends ago. But um but so we did that film and then I was an independent film producer, right? Because I was good at mm-hmm, it. It was one mm-hmm, of those mm-hmm. things that People, you know, oh, you should do this because you're good at it. You should do this because you're good at it. Well, I don't want to do this. This is not what I came to Los Angeles to do.
0: I came to be an actor. Well,
1: not only did I come to be an actor, but I came to spread some positivity, I think. like, I just feel like that's why I was left on this planet, if you will, in this form.
0: That's why you survived. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so... I started producing things that just weren't true to my brand if you sure, will like sure, I sure. I have my own personal brand and that yeah. I worked really hard on it not just to be in the public brand but like my my brand in general is just my heart mm-hmm. and it's all about what I'm about in the mm-hmm. world and and so I I did a ton of self-work after Mm -hmm. the crash, Mm -hmm. a ton, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. because of all that work, I feel like I need to honor it by being totally true to myself, Sure, and I just wasn't an independent film, like, it was very, it had this poverty feel to me, you know, you're always scrounging, you're always asking for favors, you're always doing this and that, and it just wasn't, it, it just wasn't me at this point, at this stage in my life. Like, did it serve a certain purpose? Absolutely. Am I grateful for the experience? Totally. Did I want to keep doing it? No. And so I retired <laughs> myself, my party and I had a great time and, and I worked on my, my brand, which ended up being very much my heart and more of the self-work that I have been talking about. And then after, after I got I got all excited and I'm like, "This this is awesome! My brand is awesome, right?" (laughs) And um, like a month ago, maybe two months ago, uh, when did Selma come out? See, I'm blanking. Was it after Christmas or before Christmas?
0: I want to say before.
1: All right, so it was it was between
0: Thanksgiving and Christmas, maybe. I don't remember. I didn't see it, so I don't. I don't remember.
1: It's amazing. By the way, super well done. But, yeah, there are moments in there where you're like, how can another person do this to another human? I know. It's just, know. It's, travi- it's tragic. Um, but my friend got tickets to see it at the Producers Guild. Mm-hmm. And there was a Q&A with Lady O. Nice. And I was like, I'm not a fangirl, usually. Right. but But, <laughs> however,
0: there's those few people.
1: Oprah is, like, doing what I want to do and she does it so well and she does it so true to herself that it's just admirable you know and so I'm like oh my gosh I'm totally going to this q and I got there an hour and a half early I wear my bright yellow sweater so I could be like what's up Oprah <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough got front row seats Watched the movie till I got a kink in my neck and then Oprah comes in and she gets up on stage and she's telling these amazing stories about um about expectations and 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 exceeding them or having them be different and and she's just she's just being her and it's such an incredible experience to watch this person be in their power. I don't know if you understand. I mean oh yeah, that, yeah, but, yeah. Just you know, like,
0: just completely and utterly wherever they are, they're in their element. Yes. That's their element because. Instead of
1: because they're not doubting, they're not second guessing, they're, they're, they're not, not even living having in to
0: fear. adapt.
1: No, no, absolutely not. Because
0: we all adapt from mm-hmm. wh- whether it we're at work, whether we're in this crowd of people, that crowd of people, in front of these friends, in front of our parents, in front of our grandparents, in front of our kids, in front at the grocery store. We all constantly adapt and change and shift to suit wherever we are, so we don't. Get noticed, Which, stick by out, the so way, we don't offend anybody, so we right. don't whatever.
1: Which is fear-based, right? Because right. if we all just right. were accepting of each other yes. in the form that is yes. true to the to each other, like to ourselves, we it would be just such an easier ride. Sure. You know? Sure. And so she's just like up there doing her thing and
0: just being Oprah. Just
1: being Oprah. And I was sitting in the audience and something clicked inside of me. And the next day I called my friend and he um he and I are like he's one of my best friends, so he knows exactly what I want in life, and he knows, you know, what how hard I've been working to build this talk show, for mm-hmm, example, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the brand and all of this stuff. And and I go to him, I go, you know, I realized as Oprah was talking that Oprah just does projects that she loves, whether it's in front of the camera, behind the camera, with with her clout, with her, you know, her friends, whatever it is. It doesn't matter the job that she's doing. She's just doing the project because it's important to her.
0: That's what I keep hearing from from the people whose podcasts I listen to. It's like, I just one day woke up and made a decision that I'm only going to work on stuff I want to, that I like.
1: Exactly. That makes me
0: only work on things that make me happy.
1: Right. And the word empowerment came flying yes. into me. And yes. I was like, I will only do projects that are empowering. Empowerment,
0: intentional. Yep. Yeah.
1: And I said to him, this, and I think he almost fell off his chair. And I said, I don't even care if it's the talk show and I'm on it. I just want to do something empowering. And he was like, whoa. <laughs> right. And so. The minute I said that, I said it to another friend of mine the next day, and they were like, oh, cool, I have this documentary. Would you be interested? I'm like, yes. It's totally in my wheelhouse. I'm super excited about it. And then I was telling uh, my friend Jen Page, who is the director of Wake Up, that, you know, I had this experience, Jen, just so you know. Like, if you find any empowering projects, I'm, I'm, I'm in for producing, if that's the case. And she... She knew about my talk show Wants and Desires and stuff and is has been just an amazing support system. Cut to 2 weeks later, she's like, "Hmm, so I just got offered this directing gig on this po- this talk show called Wake Up. Would you be interested in producing?" <laughs> I was like, ah. psh, head explosion, "Yes!"
0: <laughs> and that's Dream the thing job. I also keep hearing is, is 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 being true to yourself and and pursuing those projects, those things that make you happy, that fulfill you, it, it, you, you wind up inadvertently creating this almost aura, if you will, outward, absolutely that draws those other absolutely. those things that are in that milieu toward you.
1: Absolutely. Here's what, here's how I look at it. If you're on the wrong path the universe throws a car at you. (laughs) In my case, literally. If you're on the right path, you're just open to receiving and accepting all things that are love, and the universe answers. Yeah. And I am living proof that that's the case. Every time I have been on the wrong path, now it's roller skates, Mm -hmm. which I'm really happy about. Like, I'm very in tune with, like, the signs, if you will. And I'm like, okay. Please, because I keep saying, I'm like, I don't want another car. (laughs) That was really bad. But, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not always on the right path, but when I am on the right path, man, it's magic. I mean, yeah. It's crazy. And so I it's just, like this
0: thing with the house. It's just it's just these things. Just it's like 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 mm-hmm. Tetris. It just fits. And It's like uh, it's all just kind of working. It's happening. <laughs> and like your and biggest
1: like, issue is just going with it and not right. being like, wait a minute, it's too good to be true. Right, 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 right. Because right,
0: right. I was just a very. I I, I through the whole process. Now originally, when we were looking for a house, I was completely scared shitless because I've never bought property. My wife, my first wife, and I were for together for, together for twenty years, never had two nickels to rub together. Now I'm with m- my you know second wife, five years in, we're buying a house, and and so I was scared to death right. about buying a house. And I'm like, we can't do this. Just let me give me some time to let me adjust to this. And we had time over through the holidays. And then after the first year, okay, let's go start looking. And we started looking and we found back to where we were.
1: And through this
0: whole thing, I've just been like,
1: "Um, (laughs) whatever
0: happens, happens. It may happen. It may not. If not, there's other places we can go look at. We'll see what happens. And we're just going to see what happens. And we did. And it's just
1: That's amazing. You're in line. And I'm really trying to just
0: be so zen about it. And my whole life, I've been getting excited about a thing, telling people about it before it happens, and then it doesn't happen. Mm. And I look like a chump because I was excited about this thing that that I said was going to happen that didn't happen. And I'm trying to adjust my mode of yeah we're doing this I'm I'm interested in this thing we'll see what happens and then being excited about it after it happens <laughs> throwing the party after it's done right and that's a much of setting myself managing my expectations and setting my not setting myself up for failure anymore nice
1: I appreciate that <laughs> and it's just
0: all these things I would imagine that The producing thing of your friend saying no you really need to come produce this project for me was part of that you said you were probably about 80 percent of the of back to being okay again Mm -hmm. after the three years and your friend pushing you this throwing this car at you to do this (laughs) production project to produce this thing for him was probably part of what helped you with that last 20% or no. at least 15 of it? No. No. No? Exactly
1: the opposite. Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> okay. Because though April Showers was like the best content experience, it was the most... Insanely challenging production I've ever okay. been on, but it was only because I literally cry myself to sleep every night, and I talk about it all the time because I thought, oh my gosh, people are going to figure out I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like I'm <laughs> wow, going to show like, up on set. Like somebody day. I know always waiting
0: for the other shoe to drop. Some right. of these one day these people are going to figure out what a fraud I am, and they're going to run mm-hmm. me out of town on a rail.
1: Well, and I, I know think somebody it's, like that. Yeah, who's
0: always. Their whole life, they've been. They feel that that whole life has been a lie, and they're just waiting for everybody to figure it out.
1: Well, mine was more. Um, I was I was literally terrified oh, with yeah. the PTSD, and so mm-hmm. the twenty percent mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. hanging on was still just very. I thought, and there was a lot of fear around everything I did, mm-hmm. with the idea of putting too much pressure on myself and ending up back in the psych ward. That was like a real fear of mine because I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't able to process the stress of the crash. And so there was this fear of my PTSD coming back full force every time I was stressed out. And making a movie is so stressful. And so I should rephrase that. Making a movie can be so stressful. But if if you do the right amount of pre-production and you realize that you're not doing brain surgery and no one's dying, like the stress kind of alleviates, but I didn't have that perspective at the time. And at the time it was like the most important thing in the entire world ever in the history of time was to make this movie. And so I had all of the stress that I was putting on my, on myself. And, and of course, when you're making a movie, you're working like 20 hours a day. So I wasn't sleeping on top of it. And so it was just this really, really intense fear that the PTSD was gonna come back. So for me it wasn't. The producing was actually very detrimental. I think that not detrimental, obviously, but Contributing
0: it to those fears, those it didn't help fears. my PTSD. Okay. All right. All right.
1: <laughs> but the the like taking back my power mm. and being like, you know what, I'm retiring. This is not what I want to do. And I remember the moment I decided I I was just really not happy. Mm -hmm. And so I sat down on my bed. I'm going to describe it to you. I just, I sat down on the edge of my bed with a piece of paper on like a clipboard and I made two columns. And the first column was all the reasons I moved to Los Angeles. And the second column was all the things that I was doing in the first column. And,
0: Short list on the right
1: side. Such a short list. I can't even explain it to you. And I'm not talking about actual jobs that I was doing, but more like I moved out here to have a voice, and I didn't have a voice. Um, I moved out here to to create something meaningful. And I didn't feel at the time that it was meaningful to me. So how could it be meaningful to someone else? Granted, I don't believe that we ever create anything that isn't meaningful, at least to somebody. Right. And um, right. so there was just all of these things that I really, really wanted to be doing that I wasn't doing. And it was because I had lost myself in the producing process. I was so interested in being the the person who helped the director get their vision on the screen—that I lost all of my vision—and oh. so at that moment, I just was like, "I might come back to producing, but I'm retiring." Like, and I needed to be very finite for me. I needed to be like, I'm "I need to not, not do this doing right this. now anymore. Right.
0: Until maybe at some point, if I feel like I can do this, but this is not fulfilling me. I need to exactly find another way to." To
1: Absolutely. Take,
0: to move left column to right column.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I needed yeah. to take charge of my life. Sure, and it was sure. interesting, like, now I have, you know, I'm, I'm saying I have, I'm having my near-death experience 11 years later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I have this crazy 11 years of perspective, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I can go down the timeline, if you will, and find the, like, specific spots on sure. that timeline that sh- shifted something, and... And one of the big things for me was realizing I went from the worst possible experience for my mind and my body into producing, which is super stressful, without taking a break. Like there was no time for my brain and my body to just be. Be. Yes, and be still. Like, PTSD isn't... You know how they always show those images of of someone with PTSD and their loved one trying to hug them and they're, like, jerking away? It's not necessarily because they don't want the hug. It's because it hurts. It literally physically hurts to have post-traumatic stress disorder because your whole body is tense. Is tense. Just, your yeah. nerve endings are fried. Mm. And so, like, when people would come up and touch my skin, I would literally burst into tears when I was at my worst. And it was just... It's such a, you know, traumatic experience, both on your mind and on your body. And so it was just really important to me to just step back and and stress less about other people and <laughs> kind of stress more about me, I guess, um, because I, I definitely beat myself up a little bit when I first did it, you know, thinking, oh, you're such a failure, why didn't you... Right. You know, why didn't you course. just... You know, go through it. If if yeah, you just yeah. keep fighting, it's going to get better. But it's counterintuitive. Yeah. You know, like you've got to slow down and so go you
0: through. Definitely should have been doing something after the three years, but producing was not it. But that was the thing you were doing, right. so it didn't help. It was one, right, right,
1: right. And, and not that I shouldn't be doing it because I totally believe everything happens the way it's supposed to, and but. it it really I needed I needed to slow down in order to heal and so yeah but now now it's definitely I'm at you know 40 percent yeah (laughs) when when
0: I was when I was stressing out like crazy a few weeks you know up to a few weeks ago before I was like okay let's put stand up on the back burner Mm. it was during that time when I'm buying a house doing all those things all the things and stand up work also decided to be like here's a whole bunch more work here's Uh a whole bunch of after hours stuff and here's a whole bunch of here's calls in the middle of the night there's your
1: roller skate and
0: it's just like (laughs) jesus christ so so the you know the stand-up thing will still be there and i I will go back to it and but i'm the thing that i need that i keep the voice i keep hearing is you want to do voiceover stuff you've got to have a demo so get that done and so that's my next before I go back to stand up, I wanna get a demo or two for different things or whatever done and to be able to start giving it. To people.
1: Yeah. I mean you never know what that demo might be half voice over, half stand up. And but the thing is too that we put so much pressure on ourselves in the linear Meaning, like, okay, well, I've decided I'm going to do stand-up, so here's... And this is something I always have to talk to my clients about mm-hmm. when we do the break-it-down mm-hmm. sessions. It's like, if at any point this becomes overwhelming, then you're not on the right path, and it is not the right time, and and you just you just put it on the shelf. You've got your roadmap. You can always pull it out. And the know? stand-up
0: thing was... I, I. I I achieved my goal. I mean, I, the only goal I set for myself with that was to get on and, and do an open mic before That's April. Amazing. And I <laughs> did that. And I'm like, you did that. Right. You don't have to keep doing it just because. It's still going to be there when you get back to it. You can go back. There's a billion open mics. You can go anywhere, anytime and go do stand-up. hmm so okay, you did that. Good. Okay, great. So let's just put that aside. Concentrate on other things. There's other things right now that you need to prioritize more. Absolutely. So that's okay to do that.
1: Well, and there are other things that are bringing you joy. Yes. You know. You know
0: on the podcast, I just that's awesome. Love. You know, <laughs> one. of Well, I've set goals for the podcast. We started in September. My friend Ash got into other projects, and eventually he doesn't work at the company I work for anymore. And yeah. he's been got a new job, and he's been working on this side project that takes up all his time. So he didn't have time to co-host anymore. So a friend of mine comes on, and another friend of mine comes on and co-hosts occasionally. Um, usually when she brings a friend of hers on to be a guest. Um,
1: By the way, nice work not letting that stop you.
0: Thank you. Thank because
1: you. a lot of times it would. Right. right. This is not sure. what I pictured in my sure, mind. Sure, so sure, I'm sure, out.
0: Sure, sure. And. Um, And my original partner, Ash, he's welcome to come back to the podcast anytime he wants. It's just a matter of when he's got time. And the thing that with the podcast, um, I set little goals for myself, which was, okay, my goal is to get somebody I don't know personally on the podcast. And I achieved that earlier this year and then I when I went to go to Gallifrey one the big doctor who convention I'm like okay my goal is to get at least one podcast and to get at least one podcast with somebody I don't know personally I got four podcasts out of it nice three of which were people I didn't know one of them was an old friend from Denver cool who I, you know knew from De- from from when I grew up from my teenage years and Rocky Horror and all that mm-hmm. and he runs his own convention in Colorado cool and so he came on and we talked about all that. So, but then the other ones was like people from England and you know people with accents and and this and it was just it was phenomenal. It was great. And then Hayden was the last one we did that. He lives here in in Burbank, and so we got to sit down and he's one of the people. said so, do you have a demo? And I'm like, oh god, I got <laughs> I to I I do it, got to do it. Well, um, you will. One of the things that's been great, and the one of the other goals I've had for the podcast is to do podcasts with other podcasters to po- do what to mm. what what the guys there's a, there's a podcast in in Canada, from Canada, called uh, Radio Free Scar, which is probably the most world-renowned Doctor Who-focused oh, cool. podcast, and I got to podcast with with one of the guys nice. from that, and he calls it PodCest, when people of
1: podcasts <laughs> get
0: together and do each other's shows, so
1: that's fantastic! I got to
0: PodCest with Dig This, I got... I, I was sitting down having lunch. You're
1: about to say names that I'm not going to no, no, so no, no, you know. No,
0: no, 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 no. And this is, oh, no, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> um, um, I'm sitting at work eating lunch in October, November last year. Just sitting at my table. There's only, there's no individual tables. There's only like tables put together. Sure. So I'm sitting down by myself eating lunch. The lunch room's crowded. It's the only place to sit then this group of ladies comes over and says, "Hey, do you mind if we sit here?" I said, "No." And so, I'm sitting there and they're talking and I just kind of just kind of nudge into their conversation here and there <laughs> and the word podcast pops up on her. And this lady, uh, uh, that works at the company where I work, her son-in-law has a podcast. Awesome. And so I'm like, I start talking to her and saying, "Oh, great. Yeah, hey, I'd love to blah, blah, blah. and then my my ex my my wife says, make business cards before galley i'm like okay so i make some take mm-hmm. some to work hand out to a couple of friends so i made po- i made uh business cards see her in the hallway at work hand her a business card she gives it to her son-in-law her son-in-law contacts me out of the blue says hey i love your podcast here's ours listen to it let's get together in new episode and i went a couple weeks ago and was on they're called two t's in a pod and uh, awesome. hi travis and travis
1: hi travis and, and travis.
0: um and i go and do their podcast and it's a little little like band rehearsal garage space okay. in in the valley and over by the budweiser plant and uh, they've got microphones set up in a production booth and, the, you know, the whole spiel. And, and I got to do stand-up-y stuff and I got to do impressions. Awesome. They did a traffic helicopter and I did Gilbert Gottfried in the traffic <laughs> helicopter. And it was one of the funnest things I've ever experienced in my whole That's life. Amazing. And I'm like, check. And then he he came over a couple weekends ago and he's going to be the one going up tomorrow, I think. And then, so, yeah. So, I'm meeting all these little goals.
1: That's amazing. And Are you going to NMX in and vegas next month
0: no i what was that
1: new media expo no they no. have a whole podcast oh okay okay thing. i was
0: planning i'm actually planning on going to la podfest in september oh, okay which is an la based podcast convention and you know nerdists and, <laughs> and uh james bonding and Superego and all these guys that are from la all these podcasts I listen to are cool. all them, gonna be there. that's awesome and they're going to do live episodes and stuff so that's very cool. um i'm hoping i'm going to go and do the thing and and, uh, you know, do the weekend thing and take my equipment with me and hopefully I can, hopefully I can wrangle somebody into being on the podcast. So I'm that's sure. My, so.
1: I mean, that's just great. We, I don't know if you know this, but I did a film podcast. Okay. Um, called Film Method. Okay. With my friend Cindy and I. <clears throat> and, just from having that and asking, which is why it, it's interesting that you nudge yourself into conversation. Way to be brave enough to do that. Like, so many people are so shy and scared.
0: Oh, I've never had any problems uh-huh. with nudging into a conversation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's important, right? Like, just ask. People always say, how do you make a movie? You just ask. Like, you you just put it out there. Somebody,
0: I don't know, on some podcasts I listen to, um, said, producing a movie is just basically a giant checklist. Yeah, absolutely. That you have to manage. Yep. Well, it's basic well, it's yes. a list of lists. It that you have to is. just kind of wrangle together <laughs> and organize, and that's all it really is. Mm-hmm. It's just item by item: this gets done, that gets done, that gets done, and it's a matter of you do this yourself, or you tell somebody else to go, or you hire somebody else to do that. Right. And it's just all these little things that get done until finally all the checks are done and you have a movie.
1: I always explain it because um, my family is is large and from Minnesota, and <laughs> so you know we've had oh, yeah, plenty sure. of weddings. Oh, of course. And so when when I first started producing, my grandma specifically. I was like, what's your job? And I was like, huh, how do I explain my job to my grandma? And I said, Grandma, it's like planning 30 weddings in a row. It's like 30 days worth of weddings. And she was like, Oh, okay. I get that because a wedding is literally just a film. If you it's think a about big it, old
0: list. It's a production. It's, <laughs> it's a production.
1: Absolutely right. You've got wardrobe. You've got hair, Gator, and makeup, flower, you've got, hair makeup. You've got rings, the cast, which is your dresses, yeah. fine dresses. Yeah. A location. Yes. Food. Photographer. You know? yep, DJ.
0: After party it's cleaning up vomit
1: <laughs> oh, i didn't <laughs> no, have no, to no, clean no.
0: up plummet online
1: <laughs> i know yeah. i always laugh because my my husband and i just had our one year anniversary last oh, weekend congratulations thank that's you that's
0: awesome yeah you told me that
1: we got married on our 15 year anniversary oh
0: and of, so of
1: yeah of being together oh okay, of okay. like we're going to be a couple you know like i met him when i was 20 yeah so <laughs> I got married
0: the first time when I was 20. Nice. So.
1: And, um, he, he, uh, I always, I laugh because my wedding was a production. Mm-hmm. Like I just produced it and sure. people were like, it's so organized and everything is so great. And I'm like, because that's what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so it was, it was the single most amazing day of my life. Nice. And it actually, was the thing that proved to me that I can do creative producing as well as logistical producing mm-hmm. more than I thought I could. Right. So it's really funny how this, like, one personal event made my producing career Sure, different. yeah, and yeah, it yeah.
0: Fun. It's like, well, you know, if I was a little more into crin- crinoline and finger sandwiches, I could be a wedding planner. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then I was like, no. no. No, no, no. No,
1: no. There's so many crazy expectations. Like, that's the cool thing about producing a film. Everyone knows how hard it is. So it's like, there's, there's not a level of expectation like a wedding what
0: is it why why do we torture ourselves
1: i don't
0: know my (laughs) my current wife and i spent two thousand dollars she went to a vintage shop and bought a dress that wasn't Mm -hmm. even really vintage it would just look like a vintage dress (laughs) had it altered we went and picked a spot out on a beach that we liked Mm -hmm. we had less than 50 people Friend of we have a little pop up thing. She used to do jewelry art shows. Nice a little pop up <laughs> thing. We had some people go out and do that. We got dressed here. Family flew out. You know, a couple family members flew out. Mm-hmm. We had friends gather. We had a, a certain number of people at the beach. Everybody just shows up at that time. They were waiting there when we got there. We walked out. Somebody turned on some music and held <laughs> up the thing. Oh, let's out. say anything. <laughs> we our, our friend <laughs> threw on my Doctor Who scarf and said our did our did the nice. ceremony because she's ordained. We hugged and kissed. Had a big group hug. had 50, Twenty minutes at the beach done over with in the cars back here. Party everybody kind of everywhere inside outside bedroom <laughs> right. whatever. Just had a big old thing, and then we went off on a cruise for for a week. And that was it.
1: Yeah, and our friend of ours, the exact we, opposite. <laughs> we threw we threw a
0: friend of ours eighty bucks to make our cake. We threw a friend of ours eighty bucks to to draw Tardis you know Doctor Who stuff on our shoes nice. and on you know and that was it. And it was. We feel just as loved and supported and, and strong and confident and as people who spent $50,000 or whatever. You know? you know,
1: I don't want to begrudge the people who spend a lot of money on their weddings. I just think... Like, mine was... We had 120 people, mm-hmm. and we did a three-day.
0: Oh, wow. Like,
1: we Yikes. did it up. Nice. But it wasn't like... We were showing off. It was more, I just wanted it to be worthwhile because we had tons of people coming in from out You don't want to just be together with everybody
0: for an hour and then right. get, you're done. And you want it to be a nice week, family totally. weekend. Totally. Okay, I get that. Because yeah. I was
1: like, I haven't seen these people in so long. Sure. I don't want to be catching up sure. on the wedding day. Sure. You know, I want to dance. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I want to party. And right. so... So
0: let's catch up before exactly. and after. It. Wedding day is about me and I do what I want when I want. Right. Everything else we can do, all the family stuff totally. and the dinners and the lunches and the, and the beers and the wedding whatever uh, before and after. Well,
1: but the coolest thing was it wasn't even about me. Like we got married on our 15-year anniversary, so it was about our our life, sure, you know? And sure, sure. and so here's the whole gist of of the wedding. It was so much fun. We got we got engaged on our 12-year anniversary, so I had 3 years to plan it. And I am a crafter. So every single thing at the wedding I made.
0: Nice.
1: And it all meant something. I think that's the key, right? Yeah, yeah, People yeah, yeah, buy yeah. these crappy things from these catalogs just because they think they have to and it's supposed to again just because you should or can doesn't mean well, you should it's,
0: it's that fear thing it's that, totally. it's that fear-based thing of, of you don't do this you don't really love each other if you don't right. spend twenty thousand dollars on a wedding ring you don't really love it you know, it's like, yeah I know totally my wedding ring was 80 bucks my wife went my wedding band
1: was 120 we
0: literally went (laughs) down to that the jewelry district downtown she picked out a five dollar little thin band of silver for her wedding ring that's what she wanted that's amazing that's it
1: yeah yeah and for me it was like it, all these traditions I love traditions but only if I know why. Yeah. And so we flipped them to make sense to us. Like right. we you know we both are in entertainment so our guest book which you have to have right at a wedding is a movie poster of nice. the two of us and the billing block is our is our nice. wedding party and Like, the centerpieces we met working at the airport. So, the centerpieces were all the airport codes that we had went to on (laughs) dates. And and so, like, you found your table because that's the destination. And and there's this fun story about it. And, you know, like, making it... About the guests, personal knowing yeah. who you are as a couple, right, right. and I think that the people just look at the material parts of it and without
0: that's, that's what ours was. Yeah, we're, people know us, we're not fancy. I mean, I totally. drive a Honda Fit, and we, nice. <laughs> you know, I mean, we got a place, and it, you know, I mean, this is. It, this is no opulent mansion. We just, but it, it's it's not you know uh, it's not run down, right. but it's no opulent mansion. It's it's nice and lived in, and that's and that's where it's our new place will be. It's comfortable, mm-hmm. and that's who we are. We're comfortable, right. and pomp and circumstance is not who no. we are. And I am so...
1: sentimental. Sure, that is what sure, the yeah. whole wedding was like. Everything oh, yeah. had some sort of sentiment, right? Right. right you right. know, and it was very much the two of us, and it was about. Us being a couple and how we fit, which I think our wedding was really our perspective on society in general. Mm -hmm. Like, we're a team, and how do we fit amongst the rest of the population and have fun together? (laughs) You know, anyway. um,
0: Well, we're well over an hour and a half. This has been no, no, this has been delightful, and and I want to have you back on so we can continue. This has been awesome. So, um, is there anything other than wake up? Yes. Is there anything, which I, if you have any information, I'll be happy to, to post and, sure. and broadcast. Is there anything else that's out media-wise that you're recommending to people that that you that really blew you away? And any, any kind of media or anything that you've seen that you really oh, hmm. want people to, could be TV, music, movies, uh, wow. anything. Anything you've seen lately, anything you've consumed or think people should consume.
1: I really really think people should see selma
0: okay okay no no that's, <laughs> but that's valid be that's warned
1: so many... that it's gut-wrenching oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but and just look at like look at it from the perspective of why on earth would we do this to other people yeah. and right now we're doing it with our words and with the internet like we may not be doing it with our fists which is what happens in the movie but we are doing the same thing with our words yeah and um and just oh definitely my friend has this amazing news site called luminarydaily.com
0: okay and it's Luminary it's Daily.
1: real news okay but the positive side of it so you can see that there is there's actually good happening in the world but traditional media won't necessarily report on it because they want to keep us in fear. Yes, yes,
0: yes, yes. And so Luminary Daily... always trying to post positive stories on Facebook.
1: Oh, you definitely need to check out Luminary Daily. Okay, okay. Like, they just put up the happiest playlist for World International Uh, Happiness Day, and um, there's a flying car. Do you know about this? Uh Uh-uh. See? That's what I mean. Like, cool news stories and things. Where's my jetpack? (laughs) Totally, right? (laughs) People really doing cool things in the world. They definitely highlight that. Um... You, you can go to my website too, which is create with okay. I, I like Fantastic. to share awesomeness awesome. on there as well. And all my social can media, people get a
0: hold of you through that as yes. well as their links to, yes. you know, contact information. Do you have a Twitter or anything like that? I or? have
1: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Okay. And they're all create with Jenna.
0: Create with Jenna. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Yeah, uh, well, fun. I'm going to, in on the, you've probably seen the blog. I put up links to things and I'll yeah, put links awesome. up to all your stuff and the things that cool. you recommend and stuff too. Cool.
1: So. Yeah. I, 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 love love spreading the joy and I love hearing from people so if you've got an interesting story of of overcoming or of how you did something really cool I want to hear about it.
0: Radiant positivity mm-hmm. yeah well I'll, I'll maybe I'll submit a thing about me getting over my fear to yeah, stand up that would be
1: amazing I would love so
0: it. your story is very inspiring it's very thank uplifting and, and and anybody putting positivity into the world I'm all for that Yay. so <laughs> thank you for doing what you do and thank you for your time this has been awesome and Gosh, I, I definitely you. want to have you back on once the show gets going we can talk about it and and okay. if, you know, if you get the show up and off the ground and we can talk, we can talk about it and see how it's being received and just just talk talk about it definitely maybe even if you wanted we could talk talk to the hosts and stuff too i'd love to have them on as well okay great that'd
1: be amazing thank thank you for the opportunity it was really fun
0: this is awesome i'm at saint michael on twitter that's s-a-y-n-t-m-y-k-l you can find us online as something2xp Subscribe and review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and Google+. Check out our blog and listen to past episodes. Please get the numbers up on WordPress. Email us at something 2 xpgmailcom at gmail.com. And remember, please be kind. The Something Something Experience Podcast was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro
1: music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37
0: was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Cesari. You can find us everywhere online as Something2XP.
1: Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, WordPress, and YouTube. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Google+. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your
0: feedback. Please be kind.